Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We, we hassle, hassle films, films to save you, waffle. waffle. It's another podcast adventure with a filmmaking twist for you. I am Trevor Jones, and we will be bringing you hot topics from the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb-listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as they stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films, and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Sharing the Geek Sweat frame with me again are... The White Falcon, Akosh. Hi, guys. King Dom. Hello. MKH. Good day. Neo Geo. And it's Stephen Code. Hi. Uh, between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our podcast technology. Today, we are recording on Shaw Mics. And we are being sound mixed in Pro Tools software, projecting with the Optoma Full HD projector and computerized with the courtesy and help of Utopia Computers. We are now recording live and direct from Ithaca House. So this week, like a murderer returning to the scene of the crime, we're back for a second look at Poirot the ITV series, which ran from 1988 until 2013. 25 years, and it ran for 13 seasons. So this time, we're going to bring in some of the others, because the last time out was a bit of a solo show. So hopefully you'll hear the other guys, and it's not just going to be me talking to myself in an empty room. No. (laughs) Thanks, Stephen. Good. That's why you're here. in this room, Kingdom? Who is in this room? Um, aren't we, like, stitching the intro to the beginning of this? Yeah. All right, we can cut that bit out. Then. All right. But thanks anyway. So, Poirot was the creation of Agatha Christie, whose dates are 1890 to 1976. She is actually the best-selling novelist of all time. The only sales that have surpassed her are the Bible and Shakespeare. So she is the best-selling novelist of all time she wrote a lot of books in her lifetime and her two famous detectives are miss marple and poirot the poirot tv series filmed all of the poirot novels and short stories written by agatha christie finishing with the final one curtain poirot's last case which was published in 1975 and was the final book published in agatha christie's lifetime Now, the um, TV series had a lot of famous actors in it. It had um, Sean Pertwee, the son of Doctor Who, John Pertwee. He actually appeared twice. He appeared in the first season and the last season in two different parts. Other famous actors, another Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston, also appeared in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Emily Blunt was in it. Michael Fassbender, Jessica Chastain... A lot of famous actors appeared in the TV series over its run. I think Tom Baker might have been in one. I think you might be right. We'll have to check that one out. So um, the recurring characters, obviously there was David Suchet as Poirot, who of course was in all 70 episodes. And then Captain Hastings, his sidekick, who was in 43 episodes. So a lot of them were solo shows in a way for Poirot. There was also um, Jap, who's um, the Scotland Yard inspector. He's in 40 episodes. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Because um, Captain, uh, Captain Arthur Hastings and Chief Inspector Jap, they seem to be 
in Poirot from seasons one to eight, and then they take a little hiatus from seasons nine to 12. Why is that? Um, well, in the books, uh, Hastings disappears. Well, he doesn't disappear. He moves to the Argentine, which is obviously Argentina, and is also why I call Argentina the Argentine to this day, because I like it. So he retire. He goes to, I think it's married, um, uh, Hastings. So he kind of leaves and he doesn't, I think, if I'm remembering correctly here, Hastings normally appears mostly in the short stories, in the earlier short stories and the earlier novels. But then when he leaves, then it's basically Poirot and um, uh, Jap and Miss Lemon. Okay. Uh, his main confederates. Oh, he also, Ariadne Oliver, who's yes. the um, uh, novelist, the crime novelist, kind of a sort of Agatha Christie in her own, in her own work. She's an Agatha Christie surrogate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so in exactly. the Christie putting herself in her own work. Yeah, yeah. like other authors do, yeah. like okay. we were mentioning in previous shows. Cool. So in the TV show, Ariadna Oliver is played by Zoe Wanamaker and she's in six episodes. Yeah. So a brief but memorable presence in the TV series. Miss hmm. Lemon's in 32 episodes, so just under half of them. Miss Lemon being his secretary. Wow. So that's interesting because, like, Poirot is supposed to be like a refugee type of character. He came to um, Britain during the outbreak of the First World War mm. when um, Belgium was being evacuated. And so Britain took in lots of Belgian um, uh, refugees, basically. Mm. And that's how Poirot ended up in Britain. He was a member of the Belgian police force. Okay. So I find it interesting that Poirot as a refugee coming from Belgium, he is in the, se- the TV version of the series for like eight series, as it were. And it's actually him that stays and people that kind of go away. Um, because he said like Hastings goes away, Jap goes away. And it's almost like he becomes incumbent to the London lifestyle, I suppose. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, Poirot is not badly off. He, he travels... Around a bit, he, he, not all the cases are set in Britain. Okay, at all. Um, Where does he travel to? Uh, France, the continent. Um, obviously, there's uh, uh, the obvious ones like uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Obviously, that's the Orient Express. <laughs> there's uh, not uh, the late on Orient Express. Yeah, there's um, Death on the Nile. You know, that's set in Egypt and. Mm. Um, uh, what's it? Oh, Murder in Mesopotamia. Murder in Mesopotamia. So, so it, yeah, because Agatha Christie, her second husband was an archaeologist. Oh. So she used to go and she used to spend a lot of time in the Middle East. Really? On archaeological sites. Okay, so that's so why... There, there's there's a, quite a bit of archaeological kind of background in a lot of the novels because, I mean, that was what she was interested in during that time. So that's why we get to see Poirot travel. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like Miss Marple is kind of, she stays in a, well, she, she doesn't, but she doesn't, she only goes abroad once, I think, Miss Marple. Whereas, yeah, she usually stays in the rural yeah, villages, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say, um, obviously, in the early, earlier seasons, because it was based on the short stories more than the novels, it's more set in London. And then as the show progressed, it went on to the ones like Murder on the Orient Express that are set abroad. Okay. And because of that, the earlier seasons probably have a more distinctive visual style because it's set in 1930s London. Yeah. You'll notice that in, in the um, series that um, 
Art Deco properties are used a lot. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, basically any Art Deco building in Britain seems to have been used in the Pyro series. You mm. see it in the titles too. It's a very Art Deco um, title sequence. Yeah, I think King Don mentioned earlier that there was an Art Deco building, which is still as is in a part of West London, which was used for the Poirot series as his home. Whitehaven Mansion. There you go. Yeah, which um, is in Charterhouse Square, and you can go and see Poirot's house, should you be so inclined. Yeah. Poirot was a fictive person, no? Uh, he was it, a fictional person, yeah. He wasn't a real person. It seems like it's called Florin, Florin Court, but That's was right, it called Florin Whitehaven Court. Mansion in the series? That's right. So okay. in the series, it's called um, Whitehaven Mansions. In real life, it's called Florin Court, and it is a kind of Art Deco apartment block in Charterhouse Square in North London. So this is at 221B Baker Street. It yeah. is, yeah. 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 It is. Um there's actually an episode in the first season where the, um, the mystery happens in the same apartment building that mm. Poirot is living in. Mm. So they've actually filmed in the block and they've got two apartments, not just one. So that episode is a real fan favourite. Mm. And it also features shenanigans with characters going up and down in a dumbwaiter connecting the <laughs> apartments. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to say is the... We know that Poirot exists in London and there's this murder on the Orient Express so and uh, the mystery in Mesopotamia. So for the seasoned um, Poirot fans who've read the books, is it very exciting to know that journey's coming when you go through the first series? I don't know. I don't think they filmed them in order. In mm. fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't film them in order. They just okay. caused all like... Dotted in, in there. It's not from the first story to the last. I mean, the last story is the last one to be filmed. Mm. But before that, I think it was kind of done in slightly um, a d- different order than when they were um, published. Yeah, I mean, they did mm. eventually get around to doing everything. Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. in sequence. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, show, the famous Sherlock Holmes um, uh, adaptations of the 80s with Jeremy Brett, they didn't actually get around to... Um, doing all the stories because Jeremy Brett died before um, That's a shame. Before he was able to. But we managed to get him in prior. Obviously, there's, there are things with um, adapting the books which um, can, can, you know, things like difficulties. If you think about, there's a novel, famous, maybe the most famous prior novel, well, not the most famous, but, but um, that probably the most interesting is a novel called The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. And I'm going to have to give away the twist in this. Okay, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But the thing about this novel is that the killer is the narrator. Oh. So you're reading the book and then at the end, it's the narrator, did it? It's it's difficult to adapt that. Yeah. Because, I mean, how do you do it? Do you do it with a voiceover? Because then the voiceover kind of, why is this voiceover here? The voiceover is kind of a clue that you know that maybe right. the narrator is more whereas in the book you don't think yeah. about this because you get a narrator in a book and whereas, the interrogation scene would just be too obvious yeah, yeah yeah so it's not a it's it's a difficult they didn't they sort of fudged the um the adapt the adapt adaptation of it yeah a little bit and kind of but you miss the um the kind of the shock and the twist of the um of the novel but isn't that the wonderful legacy of the writing of Agatha Christie that it's probably an unfilmable adaptation, yeah, I mean, so to speak. I mean, 
trying to think about like, how how would you film that if if the narrator is done and he wanted to to it's, um it sounds like it needs to be like a voice in somebody's head yeah exactly and of a character who doesn't know that they've are about to kill someone that's the only <laughs> way I could imagine it you know or if it was a a posthumous confession you know that's the only way I could see yeah it. I think mm. that's how they did it mm. in the uh, when they um I mean they probably if you sit down you can see how they change the um normally in the wikipedia articles for the stories they'll show you it seems there's been a what, version what changes there were on the um yeah in the actual it seems there's been a stage version oh, a play yeah, version yeah. a film version and a russian version um i'm not sure if we to look at the development what do you think of that kingdom well, obviously, that was a particular case in point, and it's a good one to bring up, Stephen. I think um, some of the um, famous novels fared better than others in the adaptations. I mean, for me, most of them are decent adaptations just because they've got David Suchet, who understood the character and loved the character mm. and acted it really carefully. So they're automatically better than most Agatha Christie adaptations and especially in Murder on the Orient Express, which is her most filmed book, I believe. Yeah. There was a recent version with Kenneth Branagh, which I mentioned last time. Yeah, he's had a go at it. I've had a go at it, but, you know, it's worth doing again. as well. Has he? Well, I had a go at filming it. He had a go at it, yeah. The Um, funny thing about Murder on the Orient Express is that it's a far better... As, as a film or a TV than it is a book. As a novel, it's kind of boring. Really? Because it's just Poirot interviewing everyone on the train. Okay. And each chapter is one person, so it kind of gets a little bit... Oh, whereas, same oh, When you actually see the, kind of, you know, the, 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 the luxury of the train and, yeah. and the landscape, it does really make it. Whereas when you've just got the book, it can, it's a bit of a... Do you know, I mean, it's, it's not my favourite novel at know, all. But it is a really good twist. It is, yeah, it's a great twist. But. What, I, what I always remember about Murder on the Orient Express is the, um, the luxury and the, the lavishness and the, the kind of the rich opiate-like spaces that everyone's got and that everyone's like very high profile and they've got a reason to be travelling. Yeah. And then what happens is they go on this kind of tour of the world, as it were, through the train... And then this kind of luxury journey turns into kind of this claustrophobic nightmare because there's nowhere to go, nowhere no. to escape. Yeah, exactly. And there's this like linear, it's like the linear timeline that Poirot's trying to work out. There's like this linear space that they move back and forth in. And I think it's interesting to see that twist. And that's the thing that I always remember from Murder on the Orient Express. Because I'll be honest, I usually forget who actually did it on that one. You forget who did it in Modern Orient Express. Yeah, I don't know why. I wow, forget. that's a gift. Watch it again, you'll love it. <laughs> you'll be like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Because the, no, because the thing is, it's like um, Murder on the Orient Express, the whole, the way they've kind of twisted the film adaptations, as I remember it, is it, it's the difficulty of getting everybody onto that train. Like, there's, there's 12 characters who have to be on that train, but it's always like some characters are nearly going to miss the train or they've got a different reason okay. to be on the train and stuff like that. So, um, while we're talking about recurring characters, well, we weren't, that was a while back, but yeah. I'm, I'm bringing us back to that. <laughs> yeah. um, there's also Countess Rosikoff, who's a diamond thief. Oh, wow. And she is the one woman that um, Poirot seems to have feelings for. She sounds but- like the Catwoman of the series. 
She kind is. Of like, yeah, Irene Adler of, um, of for Pro, because Sherlock Holmes okay. also, he had the, 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 what, who he called the woman, who yeah. was Irene Adler. Who he kind of had romantic feelings I for. I don't know. I, I don't think Holmes has ever had romantic feelings for anyone, but he... He came he, close. He de- yeah, he was definitely impressed by her. I'll be honest, I've and never... Sherlock Holmes was never very impressed by women. I've never seen... I've never read the, Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes books, but I did... I think they come across it in Benedict Cumberbatch's. Oh yes, um, yeah, yeah that same story well. appears in there. Okay, yeah. Cool. So there is a point that um, a lot of characters in Sherlock Holmes have an equivalent character in Poirot. Yeah. Mm. So there's a sidekick, there's a Scotland Yard detective, and then there's this woman who is the one woman that he possibly could have married if circumstances had been different. Okay. And she makes a big impression. She's um, only in three books or three stories. And in the TV series, she's only in two episodes. Wow. But still, she makes a big impression. And she's in the penultimate episode of the whole thing. Do you think um, Poirot suffers from the similarities that can be drawn from Sherlock, or does it help it? I think it helps it. I think it's a fun thing for mystery fans. I mean, some people only read one or the other, but the majority of crime fiction fans are fans of both. Mm. So I think they enjoy the little overlaps, which mm. obviously Agatha Christie was completely aware of. Yeah. Um, um, well, I mean, also it's funny because both Conan Doyle and Agatha Christie both grew to hate Holmes and Poirot. Really? Yeah. Oh, because they were the yeah. they were recognised for those characters well, and not no, their other body of work. With, with um with Conan Doyle, I think that was true. With uh, I think uh, Agatha Christie's much preferred Miss Marple oh. writing Miss Marple. In Vogue, she wrote I think three times as many books um, with Poirot than Miss because Poirot was more popular than Miss Marple, and uh, Miss Marple came later on. Do you think that was an issue about like male chauvinism and like women trying to do men's jobs in a detective? No, she just got fed up writing him. She found him an irritating man. No, I'm I'm saying why <laughs> why why uh, Miss Marple wasn't as successful or wasn't written as much. Well, as I mean, we're talking like, about relatively not as successful. She yeah. sold two billion copies of her books. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. It's Go. just it. Poirot's more successful than Miss Marple. Okay. Miss Marple came later too, as well. Yeah. It's her first book. It's many years after Poirot's first book. I first mean, Poirot book. For you yourself, are you, do you fall on the side of Miss Marple or Poirot? Um, Miss Marple annoys me a little bit. She's pro death penalty, which annoys me. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually she's quite a she's quite a Tory in some ways. Yeah. Um, but no, she, um, who would have thought that in Oxfordshire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird <laughs> the, the way that I mean the way that she's been adapted. I mean, she started off um, with the um, the murder with the the uh, stories with Margaret. Um, oh, who's, who am I trying to think of here? The first Miss Marple, Margaret Rutherford. Um, they did it as a comedy. It started off the Miss Marple films were cotton comedies. And they weren't done seriously until the eighties with um John Joan um Joan Hickson. Joan Hickson. Who was Joan, very good. Like, she's the best Miss Marple. And uh um yeah, I, I kinda I'm kinda lost my point. We have five minutes left. Um, <laughs> That's not your point. But great auto cue reading. That is top work right there. This is the kind of professionalism we bring to the table. Yeah, um uh, our favourite priorities? Yeah, I mean, I, my, yeah, I mean, my, my, my favourite Poirot story um, is The ABC Murders. The ABC uh, Murders? Yeah, I think it's a brilliant novel, and I think the TV adaptation is a pretty good ad- 
adaptation okay. of it, and I think it's brilliant. In fact, I, I, I can never understand why they keep remaking um, Murder on the Express, Express, but when they that's never available. seem to do ABC Murders. And um, Yeah, um, I especially don't understand why Kenneth Branagh did it, but I'll let it go. <laughs> why, is it, why is the problem with Kenneth Branagh? I don't have a problem with him. I actually rate him. I like him as a director. I just think he completely got Murder on the Orient Express wrong. I mean, the character or directing? Both. <laughs> but yeah, the character was completely wrong. The character design was wrong. The moustache was wrong. Um, the whole envision, the way he envisioned the character was wrong. It was much too big and sloppy, whereas Poirot is a very precise and elegant character. Yeah. So I just want to come back to um, Stephen's recommendation, which was um, Poirot, the ABC Murders. Yeah. Um, so that's season four, episode one, if you're looking for it, initially released in 1992, and the synopsis says, a twisted genius taunts detective Hercule Poirot with bizarre clues left during a rash of alphabetical serial killings. Uh, I mean, this is so highly rated. I'm guessing there's some like really good cast members in this as well, and it's not just relying on a good direction. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to second Stephen. I think that is probably her best novel, or her best Poirot novel. Really? And it's also one of the best adaptations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of interesting Poirot novels and adaptations, of course, there's The Mysterious Affair at Styles, mm. which is the backstory that's set in 1916, and you find out how Poirot comes to England as a refugee. That's his fir- okay. her first novel. That's, really? uh, yeah. yeah, and um, that was adapted. It's the first episode of season three. It's one of the first feature-length episodes they did. Oh, so wow. that's one to check out. You could start with that one, or you could, <laughs> if you prefer, just start with the short stories, like season one, episode one. So this is like two really good reasons to start at the beginning of the seasons rather than just jumping in. Wherever you want, then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as a sort of postscript, there was um, uh, a play written in the seventies, which stars. It's got which the, the premise of it is that Agatha Christie is writing uh, Poirot's death, and Poirot comes around to um, visit her and argue against being killed off. It's called I think it's called Murder by Death, mm-hmm. and um, it's very funny. And basically, it's a two-hander. Basically a two-hander between Poirot and Agatha Christie, him pleading for his existence <laughs> and her not being too weird. And... Cool. Of yeah. course, he never, she never killed off um, Miss Marple. Miss Marple never dies. But Poirot is killed off in the very last story, Curtain. Which is also set at the house styles. Yep. Yeah, so it's all yeah. a loop back to the beginning. It's a loop. The end is the beginning and the beginning <laughs> is the end. But it's set in 1949. Yeah. Um, so it's a gap of 32 years. But um, obviously Poirot's glory days were the 1930s. So there's a kind of a sense of sadness that that has ended in the final episode. One more interesting episode I'll mention is The Chocolate Box. And that's set in Belgium. And that's set even before The Mysterious yeah, yeah. Affair at Styles. So you get an insight into Poirot's former life. Of course, Poirot, uh, d- d- um, just one more point about Poirot, is that the way he solves crime is different from most TV detectives. He's not a guy into evidence and kind of going around the crime scene and looking for bits and pieces. His, um, his, his way of solving crimes is to interview people and interview everyone to do the case and then put it together in his head. You never kind of see Poirot's workings if anyone asks him 
kind of, oh, but, you know, you never see any progress in his investigation. You just see Pryor keep asking people, and that's the way he solves crime. There's no evidence involved in Pryor's um, um, crime solving. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he it's, kind it's, of it's, demands it's, people oh, trust yeah, him, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they do, because he yeah. has gravitas. Mm, his little grey cells. But there's one episode where he solves the crime from his flat without even venturing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a bottle episode. <laughs> Agatha Christie's short story gave them a bottle episode. <laughs> Yeah. Gio, do you want to come in and say anything about Poirot? Um, the only thing I was going to say is the main difference between um, Poirot and Sherlock Holmes uh, in the two different styles of solving crimes. Um, Poirot being the sort of invisible man that you don't see in the room. You, you, you don't see in the building. He just like goes around, asks questions and, and has the ability of disappearing. Um, but people see him as a bit of a joke, don't they? That's, yeah, he, he kind exactly. of, that's how he. Yeah, he just doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just like scenes where you just it's just yeah. not there, and you sort of forget about him. Uh, whereas Sherlock Holmes is the complete opposite. He enters the room, and that's the only thing that you see. Yeah, it, yeah. That's it's him, you know. Sort of like a there's like a spotlight on him. It's like a rock star entering a room. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah, it's a very good point. I don't know, Stephen, okay. is there anything, like, final thing that you'd like to say about Poirot? Um, just, um, he, I, find, I find him an adorable character. I, I love him. Um, his little quirks, his, um, he's obsessed with his moustache, obviously. Um, the, the way he, he likes symmetrical breakfast, you know, so two eggs exactly the same round. You know, he's very into symmetry, very ordered. Is he like a I scrambled like, eggs or eggs Florentine? Yeah, or what kind of it, eggs is he? Um, I, I, I'm not a cookie. I, um, I know that he has egg dishes that he likes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and finally, um, apart from the great performances and obviously Agatha Christie's novels and short stories, the thing that made this a unique TV experience was the brilliant Art Deco architecture that they were able to use. Yeah. And it, it, it gives it a look for it, you know, that I've, you know, it's, it's a specific look. You can tell a prior episode it's, it's one for like a minute. You don't have to see prior. Oh, yeah. Look, I can see the buildings. That's a prior. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always worth making a pilgrimage to one of the wonderful locations that they used yeah. in the show, like <laughs> Florin Court, the Penguin Pool in London Zoo, the Hoover Building, Elton oh, Palace. Yeah. I, I, I love Art Deco architecture. So it's a real treat. Poirot series. I'm still fascinated by the fact that Michael Fassbender was in Poirot. Okay, it makes him like timeless and old now, and older than he really was. But um, I'd say you've definitely convinced me to kind of give the ITV player series another revisit. Yes, Michael time. Fassbender was in After the Funeral in 2006. Mm. After okay. the Funeral is a fantastic story as well. So. Okay. Uh, would you recommend in watch the books first before seeing the Read series? Read the books. Okay. Cody? Well, yeah, you can, but, you know, are you going to? There's loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you don't need to read the short stories. I think you can dive in with the first three seasons, definitely. Yeah, yeah And sure. then should you want to read the novels, you can, okay, because cool. there, there are differences between the, the full-length novels and the TV versions. Cool, cool. But sure, just dive in and watch the first three seasons. Okay. Um, well, thanks for letting us know. And uh, I'll let you close it out, Kingdom. Okay, so today we were doing Cult TV about Poirot with our guests. 
it's Stephen Code. Goodbye. And Neo Geo, our controller. Bye bye. And we were also joined by TJ Trevor Jones. Cheerio. And Akosh Bolf, White Eagle. You're not the White Eagle. What it's are white you? Falcon. White Falcon. I'll get the right bird eventually. 